Hello, Utility Fleet World. It's Kurt Moreland, Associate Publisher with another edition of Under the UFP Hood podcast. I'm here live at the big 70th anniversary of EUFMC in Williamsburg, and I'm very lucky to have with me George Servant, who I consider the godfather of our industry, because when I have a question, I always go to George. So George, welcome. Thanks for being here with us. Well, it's a delight to be here, even though I think you give me a little too much credit. Well, so this is a special edition because it's the 70th anniversary. And I was a kid out of college in 1984, was my first EUFMC. So I've been coming to a lot of these and I know George has been to a few of these. So we're just gonna take a little walk down memory lane and just talk about some of our favorite memories of EUFMC. And I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. It is. I spent about 14 years on the board here and have seen a remarkable amount of change. This is an exceptionally well-run organization. It's all about volunteers with one, now two full-time employees. And it is a product of a lot of very, very hard work and very, very fine thinking by the, that entire board assembly. It is. It's amazing. So anybody who has not been here um, there, there is a bit of fun on the weekend leading up to it, but I think what differentiates this event from others is the parade of vehicles on Monday. The vendors actually get the microphone and they get there uh, to talk about their vehicles in front of a, a, a tents filled with the top utility fleet managers in our industry, or should I say the ones that have, let's say, maybe some, some larger budgets. Well, this is an invitation-only uh, operation and the and for years and years it was for investor-owned utilities only uh in the last couple of years the board has elected to add telecoms in uh as a as an acknowledgement of the fact that we buy the same types of equipment from the same suppliers and it gives us uh, a little more critical mass as we go through some industry consolidation yeah and uh, i believe contractors are now invited too they are in fact so I called, I was at San Diego Gas and Electric, and I wanted to go to EUFMC, but I did not get an invitation. And they said, well, technically you're a contractor hired by Ryder to manage San Diego Gas and Electric's fleet, and we don't invite contractors. And I paused a little bit and I said, well, all right, thank you. I got a phone call not very long after that, and they said, you know, we'd love to have you if you'd be willing to speak. So, so my status changed from a contractor to a contributor overnight. Well, that worked out pretty good. And if I remember correctly, early on, I think this was even considered kind of a regional eastern half of the United States uh, meeting. It initially started as a, a vendor-hosted meeting. A company by the name of Baker started this for their local uh, constituents. Uh, th there were a lot of small companies that participated, as I say, pre-consolidation, and it grew and grew and grew until uh, we really achieved national status by the addition of great content, great presentation, and a really first-rate participant experience. Exactly. And then after the, the parade of vehicles is over, it goes from 8 a.m. till about noon. And then in the afternoon, there's uh, kind of an open air uh, expo, if you will. And then that's followed by at least two days of education. 
which George has, has been involved in. So tell me or tell us about um, how you got entrenched with EUFMC. Once I got invited to participate, it became immediately obvious that the way to grow uh, uh, the organization, grow the participation, was to add value to the participants. Certainly from the vendor community, there was a large collection of, of, of buyers that bought year in and year out very consistently, even in times of uh, somewhat depressed economics. But what we really needed to do was we felt like the board, uh, under some really excellent leadership, uh, to, to add content to the education days. So this, we feel, is the premier opportunity to learn from the best and the brightest in the industry about topics that are directly relevant to fleet managers. Yeah, and uh, while we're on that subject, another person that I saw today that I think is near and dear to the organization as well as uh, Mike Allison. I was uh, uh, probably one of the best things I did on the board was nominate Mike. <laughs> That's funny. Now, if you hear any uh, noises in the background, they are tearing down the afternoon expo, but uh, that's that's what it is, and that's that's how it is. So anyway, um, yeah. So tell me um, how you ended up nominating Mike and how you two served together. Well, always uh, you look for participants in the board that were committed to the industry, that had stability with the company that they worked with, and that uh, demonstrated their willingness to look to the future rather than focused on the past. So Mike was a natural candidate in that regard. Yeah, and uh, he, he's a great guy. He really is. So let's talk a little bit about your progression. So then you ended up with Florida Power and Light. And um, how did that influence the time that you invested in EUFMC? Well, Florida Power and Light was a very, very active supporter of my participation in this industry event. And, and we actually had uh, uh, the CEO speak here. We had uh, other executives uh, uh, contribute to the program over the years that I was on the board. Uh, Florida Power and Light was very, very active and, and serious about moving in the direction of sustainability. They were committed to that and continue to be. They, uh, uh, own, uh, they are owned by Nextair Energy, which is the largest wind power generator in North America and the largest solar generator in North America. So uh, advanced transportation topics were near and dear to leadership's heart, and I had the good fortune of working for a couple of outstanding presidents at Florida Power Light that encouraged our learning and active participation in moving the industry forward. And it probably didn't hurt that you were located close to Williamsburg. So logistically, that worked out for you, too. It did. Uh, although uh, it's embarrassing to admit that I most often drove from West Palm Beach to, to Virginia uh, to attend rather than take an airplane like sane people would. But, but it gave me the freedom to make it a leisurely trip up and back. Exactly. Well, I fly out of O'Hare Airport, so I, I can, we understand if you, people want to drive longer. So let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about the parade of vehicles and, and any memories that you have. I'm going to share a couple quick ones. 
I know that it, probably maybe about four or five years ago, there was a torrential downpour. It looked like a waterfall coming down from the tent. And we actually had to lift our feet up because there was like a creek of water running underneath. But the amazing thing about this parade is, or it's like a Broadway play, the show must go on. And the vendors are expected to deal with the elements because you guys as fleet managers, you guys uh, respond to hurricanes. And so it just kind of comes with the territory. It does. And, and we had some very thoughtful folks on the board that contributed to uh, uh, a show structure that allows the fleet manager to sit in reviewing stands in an L shape so that all the equipment can parade by, hence the name parade, the uh, participants of the show. It allows the presenters to condense their messages to the important takeaways that they want to touch uh, to get the number of vendors through between eight and noon. Uh, it has to be run with military precision. We pre-stage the order in the parking lot before they go in front of the parade. But you mentioned weather, and I have to mention, I have to bring to the front my favorite all-time presenter was a lady by the name of Jeannie Bandy. And it was raining, raining, raining. And Gerald Owens and I decided that if we could get Jeannie Bandy to speak while we held an umbrella for her, none of these other men presenters would have the nerve not to do what Jeannie did. And she handled it with grace and elegance and delivered her message succinctly and clearly, and we were right. No one had the nerve to turn down the umbrella after Jeannie did it. I remember that vividly. So let's talk about a couple of other memorable presenters. Uh, I'm going to go back to the days of Bill Calkins at uh, Sherman and Riley. Uh, he always wore his seersucker suit, and uh, he always had some witty presentations, I should say. And another one who presented today, which always uh, is... Takes, takes a very witty approach as uh, Jim Glazer of Elliot. The Elliot folks have always put on a show with their presentation. It's, it uh, catches the audience's eye. It keeps their attention. And they still get their message across undiluted. So it's a very, very successful presentation. But Bill Calkins has a favorite spot in my memory and my heart. Uh, always getting someone to agree to go first at 8 o'clock in the morning was tough. And Bill said, I'll do that. And he did it every single year after that. And Sherman and Riley now cherishes the lead position. Yes, that's absolutely true. As a matter of fact, I remember uh, that uh, there, was a, there was a presentation about candy. And he actually uh, tapped the Forrest Gump line, you know, life is like a box of chocolates. And so it's always great memories when they use a little bit of humor and wit in their presentation. But uh, to shift gears a little bit, uh, weather's been a factor. Let's go back to that. Um, weren't there, has, has the parade ever been called off because of funnel clouds or lightning strikes before? We debated carefully one morning about it. We paused it briefly, but it's never been canceled. Uh, we did move the group uh, it, into the woodlands briefly while it was thundering and lightning, but but the entire parade has never been completely canceled in in the over 20 years I've been participating here. That's amazing. 
So from there, you went on to Time Warner, but Time Warner is not an electric utility. So were you still allowed to participate? Well, as a past chairman uh, uh, and uh, past board member in longstanding, uh, I'm allowed to participate regardless of who I'm working for or even if I'm not working. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed uh, access to this show uh, regardless of my employment status, which was uh, really very favorable for me and, and advantageous. The, uh, um, one of the charms of this show is that you begin to develop relationships that last year over year over year. And because you know what to expect uh, here at Williamsburg and that it is a premier effort on the behalf of the fleet managers, it became uh, a beacon of consistency in an environment that changes with stunning speed. You know, I am so glad you brought that up because I, wa I wanted to talk about that because during the pandemic, we weren't able to get together in person and I missed everybody. I mean, it was like, I compare this to like a, a, a class reunion every year. You really look forward to get together with those people. Well, one of the intriguing things about this conference, because it's by invitation only, the senior decision makers are the people that participate. And because the senior de uh, uh, decision makers from the buying segment of the industry are here, obviously the senior decision makers on the selling side of the industry are here. So this is a, a, a absolutely unparalleled opportunity to have face-to-face -face time with the people that matter and make a difference in the industry, both from buying and selling and, and even product creation. You know, on that note, let's give a shout out to the uh, EUFMC staff. I know that uh, we work a lot with Ann Haley Brown and uh, um, Seth Skydell on the media side. Anybody else uh, on, on the staff or the board that um, you'd like to mention? Well, Ellen joined us several years ago and, and she took over the onerous task of seating for the dinner arrangements. And, and that was always something that the board members dreaded because uh, seating for 150 to 250 and now uh, this year, 700 people, uh, it, you just can't find a way to please them all. So it was the thankless, difficult task and Ellen stepped up with grace and aplomb and has done a terrific job with that. Any other uh, memories of EUFMC uh, educational set? You know, another thing, you know what I'm gonna bring up is um, the quality of the keynote speakers we've had. Now I'm from Chicago. I know uh, Mike Singletary of the Bears, he spoke. Um, we've had uh, Jim Abbott, the major league baseball players. There's been some great military speakers over the years. Can you uh, remember any keynote speaker or speakers that stuck out in your memory or that you were proud to, to see here? Well, there have been so many, it's hard to pick a favorite, but, but I had the opportunity being on the board of having dinner next to Lou Holtz. And that was a wonderful experience. He's charming, he's witty, He's engaging and very, very comfortable. So sitting at dinner with him, even, even notwithstanding his speech, was an absolute treat that I will always treasure. 
but I've sat with astronauts and I've sat with sports uh, uh, stars, uh, Kyle Petty, uh, Joe Theismann, uh, the list goes on and on. And, and we've had some really spectacular uh, contributors to our evening events. Uh, one, uh, one that stands out is the gentleman that was in the movie that DiCaprio and, and Tom Hanks played in about Catch Me If You Can. Oh, yes. And, and he was an absolutely remarkably good speaker. Uh, uh, he talked about sort of the basics of being a con man and then how that morphed into a long-standing career in fraud detection with the FBI. So it was a, it, it was a, a great, great story about what proper direction, proper focus, and attention to detail can do to turn your life around. Um, I'm going to ask you one question, not to put you on the spot too much, but um, in, in the EV or electrification process, what's something in the arena of charging that maybe a lot of fleet managers don't know or wouldn't look into that they should be look, looking into or take into consideration before setting up charging? Well, I, I think that the, the takeaway that I would suggest uh, that people that have not broached this yet professionally is that is that you you simply can't look at it as as independent activities. It has to be an integrated solution, which means you've got to have the power scoped, you've got to have the power delivery scoped, the time of day charges defined, the uh, electric infrastructure well well constructed and reliable, and then you have to select a charger that is both compatible with your grid operation and your requirements for power and acceptable to the particular truck you install because not all electric trucks will work with all charging systems. That's really interesting. Well, we're about out of time. I'm gonna wrap things up here uh, at uh, EUFMC in Williamsburg. My special guest was George Cervant, the godfather George, how can people get a hold of you if they want to reach out to you? I'm on uh, LinkedIn, pretty easy to get a hold of. Um, Facebook too, but LinkedIn's the easiest place to catch up with me. I'm uh, fairly uh, accessible, so. Well, we're gonna wrap it up here from EUFMC. It's been a wonderful, nostalgic discussion. And uh, I would like to just remind everybody and wish everybody to roll safe out there. The views, information, and opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of utility business media and its employees. It is strongly recommended that you discuss any actions or policy changes to your own community prior to the